uh, greetings, friends. It's Thursday, February 23rd. We've got some Chapo coming at you. And I guess I, I, I forgot to mention this on our last episode, but I, 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 feel, I feel compelled to do so now. Are you guys aware that uh, Twitter has been conspiring with the deep state to suppress free speech? I was like, I, I mostly ignored this story because I was like, good. I'm glad they're uh, you know, suppressing free speech. That is until I found out it directly affected me. Or if not me particularly, then one Matt Chrisman. Thanks to the Twitter <laughs> files, we now know that Matt Chrisman <laughs> ran afoul of Twitter HQ courtesy of uh, independent Maine Senator Angus King, who tried to silence your speech for what is, I got to admit, probably one of the most anodyne jokes about a politician anyone has ever told. <laughs> Matt, yeah, would you like I, to explain I, yourself? I, I did a post a few years ago where I just said uh, lists of senators who are also steakhouses, and then I put Angus <laughs> King. End of list because Ang- Angus King. That does sound like a place you get a nice ribeye. Uh, people pointed out that Chuck Grassley could also work, so I'll, I'll <laughs> in retrospect, give give credit to that. But that was it. And now we find out that after that came out. Uh, I, my account, among like hundreds of others, was sent to uh, Twitter HQ by this insane person, Angus. It's so funny. He's just this like centrist with a mustache, just never makes a peep in the Senate. One of the most uh, wallpaper motherfuckers in that entire body. And then all of us, and then you find out, oh yeah, he's a name searching maniac <laughs> who had hundreds of people that he and he and he had it and he had like what they did, and basically if they mentioned him in any way. Even if it's not even negative, how is it bad to be a steakhouse? It's one of America's yeah, no, it favorite wasn't, ways. No, Matt, it wasn't well, even insulting to him. You did say that he was a mediocre senator, but a great steakhouse. <laughs> oh, shit. Never mind. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Bot activated. Uh, and, and anybody who mentioned him in any way, they got sent to, to Twitter and then it had who they thought they like what they thought the situation was. And they were either a bot or a troll. And uh, I was officially declared by the U.S. Senate a troll. So I have <laughs> well, that at least in my resume bot. for all time now. Because, you know, like uh, there were like some originality there. He's not just a, a, a robot. But there you have it. Uh, proof positive that Twitter is uh, what you know was uh, silencing the voices of conservatives, Republicans and Matt Christmas. But I repeat myself, folks. What? <laughs> you're 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 against uh, you're you're against the cathedral and the, its steakhouses. That's right. I'm trolling the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah. Bring well, back. By the way, uh, Angus King. I have this to say. Bring back the all gratin potatoes from the sides. Okay, <laughs> we're missing them well, a lot. The, the the scallops are just not as good. The thing that's interesting to me about that is like, under what grounds would you even be suspended for that? <laughs> I'm a troll. Like, I'm a troll. I, 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 I'm I mean, like, like trolling is like you know. I think we all have different definitions of it. My definition of trolling is like, you know, uh, showing a picture of somebody's grandparents' house, uh, <laughs> innocent uh, things like that. You simply just like um, this isn't even really like mocking a guy's name. It's like his name's Angus. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I didn't there's a lot of there's a lot of like uh less mature directions you could have gone in with that you could have called Absolutely. him anus king you could have called him uh the pedophile senator you could have called him uh I'm, i don't know the guy who beats his kids 
Um, you you could say, you damn, I feel like him, Black Angus King. Yeah, you could have called him Senator Rapist. There's a lot of things you could have called him. But instead, you were just like, hey, it's the steakhouse senator. I mean, this guy has probably tried to get the Capitol Police to um, arrest the, the uh, Capitol steps for their blatant <laughs> disrespect. Uh, who, uh, <laughs> Angus King complains to the FBI about Rich Little's impression of him. Yeah. I mean, Rich Little would not even touch. Yeah, he wouldn't Angus even know. Who, like, no. He would, have no, he would not know who that King, is. Angus King even... is, this is the biggest play he has ever gotten. <laughs> this, he's a fucking nobody. Angus King has no Q rating. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did this just to get his name in the news. <laughs> but this was like years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, love, I love also that he's an independent and it's, it, he's just a, votes like a, a moderate Democrat. No reason for him to be independent just because he's from fucking Maine and those goddamn people just cannot get over how how flinty they are. And how, ah, I don't care for either of these parties. I, I I vote for the man, not the party. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, no. The only reason he's an independent is because it's like, you know, he thinks like Kamala Harris is like too, like, woke. He's like one of those guys. Just what... Complete, complete fucking loser. Um, does not come out of this story looking all that good. Yeah, no, I mean, no good nicks on the internet. I, his son, his son Stephen should have a talk with him. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Get your dad in line, Steve. Come on. Well, uh, moving on from uh, you know this a steakhouse, you know a classic American institution, uh, to another, the common man steakhouse. We return again to the primal scene of all American politics, McDonald's. And I'm referring, mm. of course, to God Trump, Top G, back at it, showing up at a McDonald's in East Palestine, Ohio, to tell the people working there that he, he probably knows the McDonald's venue better than anyone on the planet, even the people working at McDonald's. Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful-looking group of people. So I know this menu better than you do, okay? I probably know it better than anybody in here. And, you know, like he did, he did his, like, uh, paper towel and water handout to the people of uh, East Palestine, Ohio, as well. But I got to say, a lot of cope going on here because it is like proving once again why he's top G for him to show up in Palestine before fucking Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden. When Joe Biden is in Kiev this week, <laughs> palling around with that fucking goofy asshole Zell Disney and oh, like, yeah, yeah, here's some tanks, you know, here's another fucking aircraft carrier for Finland. And then I got to say, uh, Trump's he's uh, once again, he's up. He's back again, showing up at McDonald's like, I mean. This is politics now. It's just like an unfolding series of disasters that Trump will show up to like a week later and go to a local fast food franchise after like a mass shooting and just, you know, sort of chop it up with the people there. But I'm sorry, like this is making good political sense for him. Not not a mass shooting, a um, train derailment caused by a um, let's just say somebody who took too much paternity leave. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed that there's been more transportation catastrophes ever since Pete Buttigieg bravely took paternity leave? It's almost <laughs> like it makes you worse at your job. <laughs> He's there now, though. Buttigieg is in uh, East Palestine, Ohio right now. He's dressed up like a uh, fucking dozer from Fraggle Rock with a dumb little hard hat on. <laughs> Not anywhere near a fast food restaurant, not buying anybody Big Macs like, like Trump was doing. Although I have to say, 
Trump's capping a little bit with his bragging about the menu because we have it on record that he thinks the filet of fish is called the fish delight. No, 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 stop. I'm doing fat. I'm, 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 I'm Glenn Kessel. I'm doing a fact check. There is a filet of fish special meal called the fish delight. What? Ah, yeah, I'm not capping. I got to look. Never going to take an L. Trump is never going to take an L. I retract that. The man is still never taken an L. Well, what I love about him showing up at the McDonald's is it shows that, look, even though that this rail disaster is like in no small part due to like his own administration's um, repealing of safety rules or whatever. But like he makes Joe and Pete look like shit. Like I said, especially because of the fact that Joe is in fucking Kiev right now or was the the bravest president of all time. Yeah, Yeah, he was in a war zone. Uh, hanging, hanging out with our good friend uh, Zelensky. But I got to say, Trump is no dummy like Ohio Senator Mike DeWine because he's going to McDonald's. He's getting a fountain soda. You think Trump is going to be drinking any of that fucking cancerous tap water on, t- on um, camera? Fuck M- no. Mike, Mike DeWine is the governor. The governor? Okay. Yeah, sorry. Well, I'm uh, left and right. <laughs> I'm uh, Mr. Fact Check. <laughs> this episode um but no yeah well, Matt mike and i DeWine, are a little fast and loose so thanks for reading yeah. this mike De- he's holding us accountable mike dewine is i mean he looks like a senator uh mike dewine is he's the he governor was a senator. Of, he was a senator he lost to sherrod brown i believe uh yes yes that is correct uh did weirdly good numbers with uh black voters in his most recent election though but uh mike dewine is he was um Interesting thing about Mike DeWine is he was Mr. Lockdown. He was like one of the first lockdown governors in uh, really America. But uh, he, he hasn't really gotten any guff from the larger conservative movement for that, which I always found it, uh, interesting. Whether whether it's Flint, Michigan or East Palestine, Ohio, I, I, I do like the sort of the, the ritual of politicians having to drink the uh, poisonous, cancerous water on camera because it's sort of like, well, we're not going to put you in jail like you're, you're doing your job here. But like part, part of the job is that you have to drink the poison water to let everyone know it's OK. But, you know, like I said, Trump, top G, he's not he's not fucking falling for that bullshit. He's having, no. he's having a Diet Coke. No, well, Diet Coke's healthy. Yeah. He'll keep drinking that garbage. The, um, the brown stuff in Diet Coke cleans out all the poisonous chemicals in, uh, you know, Flint water. <laughs> I think Norfolk Southern should be on the tab for uh, Diet Cokes for the entire upper Midwest for now into perpetuity. Yeah, that's uh, what uh, Terrence Ray from the Trillbillies has dubbed the devil's milkshake. When you yes, drink the yes. local poisoned water to make the uh, hoople heads feel better about themselves and uh, and not worry about what's going on. Uh, and that's part of that. What we were talking about a couple weeks ago about that one. There's one way to uh, condescend to the electorate that just makes them resent you. And that's one of them. And then there's another way. Go to McDonald's, tell them how much you know the menu, and then buy them a Big Mac. I have to say, um, going back a little bit, ever since... Pete Buttigieg became transportation secretary. Do you remember a time when there were so many consistent transportation issues? Mm-hmm. No. This is like probably the worst American transportation has ever been in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I was on a 30-minute, uh, should have been like 30-minute flight from uh, Las Vegas to back to Los Angeles yesterday. 
I was on the tarmac for six fucking hours. Oh, yeah. Oh my god, you could have driven back in that time. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like literally, if I'd taken the bus, I would have come out ahead. But um, I assume they gave him that position just because it's like you know he's a consummate resume builder, and it's the type of thing that looks good on a cover letter. But um, if I mean, it's inevitable that he's going to run for president again, and he's yeah. definitely right. Re- He's definitely running for senator in Michigan, right? He's moving to Michigan because, like, uh, his slave, Chasten, is from there. But, like, how does his opponent not bring up, like, you are you are probably the worst transportation secretary we've ever had. Like, we are, uh, ba- we are begging for the days of Ray LaHood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they will he will respond with uh that it's not fair to blame me i have no power over anything i had no ability to do anything differently than what happened uh i've just a fucking warm piece of meat in a chair don't blame me for anything but i, I should I, be president I, I love that i love that whenever whenever you talk about like how bad uh all his transportation screw-ups are all his fans are like well actually you know that's not his responsibility which i mean i guess like when it came to the the ports and everything, it's like, okay, I can entertain that argument. That may be a little bit true, but like the trucking, uh, airplanes, all these things are very decisively transportation. And, uh, I just don't I don't know how he gets out of this one. Well, it's doubly funny when you consider the fact, as we've talked about on the show, I know before that like when he got that phone call from Obama and dropped out of the primary, like he was expecting secretary of state. It must have been right. Like he did not do that for secretary of transportation. If he was secretary of state, we would be at (laughs) nuclear war right now. (laughs) Holy fuck. If you put this guy, if you put this guy in charge of veterans affairs, like everyone in our enlisted in the army right now would defect North Korea. This is not a competent guy. Like I know that I know that cabinet secretaries don't always do the most work, but he has found a way to just to just bring new levels of incompetence to an already bullshit job. Well, <laughs> if you put this if you put this charge if you put him in charge of like uh, the still hilariously named Bureau of Indian Affairs. He would have done the trail, the trail of tears once more. Well, uh, the new, the new line, the new piece of defense from the uh, press secretary today, who, by the way, that the the one they have now, the press secretary now is absolutely as insulting to the public in just like, don't give a shit like idiocy as any of the Trump opes who had that job. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. Uh, her defense today was, well, there were derailments uh, when Elaine Chao was uh, transportation secretary. Nobody told her to resign. Boom. Well, Dropping the Elaine Chao bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The beloved well, and mate. <laughs> I love that. I love that because it's like, what are people supposed to say to that? Like, oh, well, you know, I do. I have always loved Elaine Chao. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty good point. But it's just it's whining. It's it's like every leaked article about how Kamala Harris isn't getting enough of a chance to to shine from uh, Biden. Every one of these people who is ostensibly trying to get ready to run for president and has ostensibly a position of influence and power in the federal government at a time when shit 
keeps going wrong and disasters keep happening and people's fucking groundwater is tainted and all they want you to do is feel bad for how hard they have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, instead of Bill, Bill Clinton said, I feel your pain. These people are saying you need to feel my fucking pain. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like as to the Elaine Chow thing, I mean, it was like a, a, a secretary Pete said it as much himself. Like the, the the White House press secretary was like, "Look, there are roughly a thousand train derailments every year in this country, and no one was asking for Elaine Chow's job." And it sort of seems like I don't know. Doesn't that seem like there are too many trains derailing in this country? Like if there were a thousand plane crashes every year in America, <laughs> I think people would be a little bit disturbed about that. So it's just like, look, uh, Secretary Pete, like you know. He's he's actually coming in under the average for the number of train derailments we should have had in the first Q1 of this year. So it's like, yeah. So let's not let's grade him on the like look, let's don't grade him on the train derailments that didn't happen. Let's just grade him on an average of how many train derailments happen every year. And like look, just so happens that this train derailment was <laughs> an incredibly hazardous toxic chemical, but you know, it's just it's no different than anything else. And look, if you didn't call for Elaine Chow's job, and it's like, first of all, you're the Democratic Party, like maybe you should have been fucking calling for her job. Like, oh, I'm sorry the Republicans are making like, you know, uh <laughs> making this train derailment into a white genocide fucking uh nightly news issue. But like I'm I'm sorry, like the fact that you failed to make hay about our crumbling infrastructure, like, doesn't mean that like now that now that the other side is gonna like uh oh like they're like um that they can't do it now as well. Well, you know, they tried to build back Brandon and uh, we couldn't get the bipartisanship together to build back Brandon. Now we're just um, viewing toxic chemicals into the air. I mean, we're, they are ensuring that if it wasn't already the case, that it's going to have to be Biden again in 2024, no matter how decrepit he is and how much nobody wants him to run because there is zero bench now. They've all been completely discredited. Like they didn't have a lot of credit to begin with. Nobody liked them before any of this shit and their fucking profiles got higher. And now in the spotlight, they have fucking curdled and, and melted into puddles, leaving only the 81 year old man. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, and as long as we're talking about uh, Biden related um, transportation debacles, I mean, come on, can we talk about the, uh, the Biden administration luggage thief? Because, I mean, that's, oh my that story. God. <laughs> that story that guy is... would have done a better job with the trains than Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, uh, you know, they, he's got skin in the game. Like, it very matters yeah. to him that uh, our at least our air transportation sector works so that he can steal people's bags for the fucking carousel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, certainly Dude, knows, I... he certainly knows transportation logistics far better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, I I bring it up because I saw that like um, <laughs> a woman who's like lost her luggage in the Minneapolis airport like two years ago was just like uh, started looking at his uh, the, their Instagram page and found that they were wearing like all of her custom clothing and jewelry and like many pictures that they were posting about himself. He's awesome. No, like I I love the Biden. I love the luggage thief. I love the luggage thief story. I don't know exactly they. You talk about it's, there's no bench. They're talking about there's no bench. Look at the luggage thief. It's so awesome to be like a literal nuclear scientist, like to be probably like one of the best scientists in America, to be like a, the elite of the elite, it, it, like in a highly specialized field. And you just cannot stop yourself from stealing <laughs> luggage. That's like your Jimmy McGill thing. It's like if Jimmy and McGill 
if Jimmy McGill was was like actually a good lawyer, but he couldn't stop stealing so uh, he couldn't stop selling st- stolen cell phones. <laughs> What's so funny is not just can't stop stealing luggage, but doing such a terrible job of it. One of the reasons they kept getting caught is because be on the airplane and they didn't have any luggage. To, they didn't check any bag of their own. Why? So well, you don't need no to. There's no plausible deniability that they could have had a mix-up or anything. You don't need to. You don't need to. You, you like. You don't need to pack. Just like you know, you you wear, you wear what you have on. Then you get to that luggage carousel, and then it's just like shopping. They just present you with uh, what options, what loot box do you want for this vacation? <laughs> yeah. And it's not just like living in Fortnite. Yeah. And and yeah, it's not like they they like have plausible deniability. That like you know someone else's luggage may have looked like theirs because like <laughs> you know the th- this guy this guy's luggage is just like is filled with sequins in the shape of like I don't know atomic uh, like <laughs> uh, the the formula to make the atomic bomb like some highly <laughs> specialized like non binary nuclear scientist design. I just love the idea about like you're, you're you're straight up stealing from people. You're straight up stealing their clothes and then you're flossing their outfits on your Instagram. You're getting a fit off with like stolen jewelry and clothing. Yeah, he reminds me of those like Detroit scam rappers from a few years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I had to get like 13 Target cards and then resell yeah. PS5s back to Target. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about this one time at Walmart. Walked in and played it so smooth, I grabbed the shopping cart. Break my cousin off a couple hundred because she play her part. I scammed the same Walmart 50 times. I got to play it smart. I don't, I don't really see that good of a reason to fire them either. I don't. I mean, like, how much? Like, well, if you're not going to fire Pete, don't fire this asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's way better at his job than Pete. That is for goddamn sure. They should they should give the clothes back. <laughs> they should give. I feel yeah, bad for yeah, that lady. Yeah. That, these are like custom pieces. She was like a clothing designer. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, but like, what is this lady doing? She's probably like a life coach. This guy is like <laughs> protecting. Fucking America's nuclear energy. I don't know. Uh, so like he g- needs g- sort g- of give it, give him like the hoop earrings and like the the three quarter three quarter length blouses or whatever fucking bullshit he stole. I don't know. I don't know why what? I'm a, I'm accusing this woman of just like wearing, <laughs> wearing tacky stuff. I guess I'm just like kind of uh, in a bad mood. What? But um, I, I, I'm I'm okay. sorry. Well, I, I, the only person I'm being nice to is like the nuclear luggage thief. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. To quote our president Joe Biden, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that about the uh, one who got a luggage stolen. Okay, well, Felix, I, I, uh, I'm, you- I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. You know, you, I don't think you actually wear a peasant top in 2023. Okay, well, Felix, uh, you may be feeling down. Uh, you talked about wellness. I'd like to spend the rest of the show now uh, doing, a, doing a reading series on an amazing article that came out in the New York Times today that is very much sort of um, uh, of a piece with uh, sim- similar investigations we've done on this show into like the psychology of the ultra wealthy. Like I remember a while back we were talking about how they want to like genetically design their children and seed the world with their uh, progeny. Um, then there's the whole like you know uh, the, the the people who are, uh, have Havana syndrome because of their rotten guilt about the their shitty jobs. I'd like to talk now about uh, 
Charles Koch's daughter, who is a wellness guru. Charles Koch's this like the 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 daughter of one of the richest men on the planet, and this is like a glowing New York Times profile of her and her like wellness startup. And I would just like to I would just like to use this example because like look, the New York Times has come in for some criticism lately. You know, uh, criticism that I think is unfair. You know, journalists aren't supposed to be activists. They're supposed to objectively report the news and let the reader decide for themselves what the facts are or how they feel about controversial issues. So like this, this is this is real journalism from The New York Times. This is not activist journalism. This is real serious news from The New York Times headline. Elizabeth Koch knows what you're thinking. The daughter of Charles Koch, the billionaire right-wing political force, has a new venture that is all about self-investigation. Two words, perception box. That's right. We're getting in the box. What's in the box? Perception. Perception. Yeah. Uh, This is by Brooks Barnes. Perception box. Perception box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the asshole for putting binoculars in a girl's pussy. (laughs) Uh, just a point of clarification: Would this be Wyatt Cox's cousin? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, very yeah. good so, catch. <laughs> okay, great. Just, we know we know Wyatt con- is connecting the doing, dots of this generation of of Coke children. Yeah, Wyatt is making shirts for the discotheca or the office. Elizabeth Coke is opening the boxes of perception, or rather, freeing you from the the perception box that you're trapped in. Yeah. So, uh, the perception box sounds like a really shitty item from uh, Dark Souls 1. <laughs> oh, wow. I can uh, I, I can, uh, aim my pyromancy in first-person mode. Thanks. Uh, so the article begins. Even as a young girl, Elizabeth R. Koch was keenly aware of her family's extreme wealth. My beloved parents... No way. They were paranoid about raising spoiled pieces of, you know... So I heard about it a lot, and I could see how other people responded to us, she said. I sensed it everywhere. She added, I didn't get that it was about the family. I'm just seeing that it's about me, so I must be bad. So she decided to dedicate her life to one pursuit, to not be hated, she said, to which I say, fail. You have failed in that regard. Uh, Continuing, uh, Mrs. Koch, 47, is the daughter of Charles Koch, 87, the billionaire industrialist, climate change boogeyman, and far-right political force. His wealth is estimated at roughly $66 billion. Ms. Koch, named after her mother, who goes by Liz. The family is close. Everyone spent Christmas together in Las Vegas, staying at the Wynn Resort and taking in a mentalist show. I like to imagine that they were just went to the Wind Resort and watched the TV series The Mentalist yeah. together in a hotel Simon room. Simon Baker just chopping it yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, but, Ms., but Ms. Koch, at least by her account, has been driven to the brink of insanity by her last name. In a 2007 essay for Smith Magazine, she described her young adulthood as panic attacks and meltdowns and doctors and pharmaceuticals and terrifying my parents and staring down that dark well of nothing you do will ever be good enough, you privileged waste of flesh. A couple years later, she lied to classmates at Syracuse University when she was working on an MFA in fiction, insisting that her name was pronounced Koch, no relation to those Cokes, the one you may have read sinister things about. So we're, <laughs> we're seeing here like... a legitimate daughter. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually yeah, straight. Like, yeah, yeah. The those rumors time. you heard about him, not true. Yeah, he, uh, well, he tried pussy once, and uh, wow. <laughs> Got a great daughter out of the deal. Um, but like, you know, we're beginning to see like we're beginning to see themes emerge here is that like she says she says that she finds her life 
um, defined by uh, the wealth that she knows that she is the inheritor of, but also a sense of unease about like people's negative feelings about her, the family name, and just how they got all that $66 billion. So, yeah, like, uh, so the question is, uh, like, how is she going to manifest this sense of guilt and shame? Because the article, as it goes on, I think you'll see, like, she, she comments a lot about how she's worried that people may dislike her, but she never really cottons to or uh, uh, seems to understand or express the reasons why people might hate her family. Mrs. Koch's, Ms. Koch's anguish uh, may strike you as entirely understandable. Money can be corrosive, especially for the generation that didn't make it. Or you may have the opposite reaction. It must be really, really hard, I roll, to be a heiress of one of the biggest fortunes ever accumulated who graduated from an Ivy League university, Princeton, and is now married to a successful biotech entrepreneur. They recently vacationed in Bali. When Ms. Koch first came on my radar, I was firmly in the second camp. Oh, so let's see how she, she won you over with her perception box. A publicist named Scott Rowe had called to propose an article on Mrs. Koch and her nonprofit organization, Unlikely Collaborators, which is all about self-investigation. According to its website, the organization is dedicated to the creation of provocative experiences that help you face who you think you are. The site You're adds, not supposed to <laughs> admit that you got the story from the publicist. <laughs> yeah, know, right? and, say, and then say right off the bat, like, uh, I was inclined to be skeptical of this rich dilettante and her fucking idiotic wellness coordination uh, self-investigation startup. But I got to say, even a skeptical journalist like me was won over to her uh, by her charms and uh, fascinating personal story. Like Jeez, I said, this is, by the way, this is not activist right. journalism. This is real journalism. Good. Okay, Uh, he goes, the site adds, our experiences use a process of self-investigation that encompasses principles and practices from Eastern and Western thought, meditation, psychology, and neuroscience designed to expand your understanding of self, others, and the whole damned world. Oh, brother, Mr. Rowe kept pushing, telling me that Ms. Koch started Unlikely Collaborators in 2021 after emerging from years of depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, an eating disorder, and a stint in a mental institution. Serious people have joined Unlikely Collaborators in leadership roles, including Lisa Gregorian, uh, a former president of the Warner Brothers Television Group. So far, Unlikely Collaborators has given millions of dollars to various partners and earmarked at least $100 million for the next few years. Your perception is wrong, Mr. Rowe said. Just come meet her. The next, the subhead for the next section is entitled "Hugs, Blankets, and Perception Boxes." So this is this house you're going to be one over with a, with a blanket. So it says here, unlike, unlikely collaborators occupies a sunny loft in Santa Monica, California, a community once described as where liberal ideology meets the sea. On the afternoon I visited, candles flickered here and there. Someone had put out what looked like twenty pounds of charcuterie. Twenty pounds of charcuterie. Hot day. Wow. <laughs> okay. Someone likes their nitrates. <laughs> uh, Miss Gregorian, the profits, nonprofit's president, was tucked into a stylish chair near Zach Gorin, a former investment banker and private equity investor who is Ms. Koch's finance and operations chief. Suddenly, Ms. Koch stood before me with outstretched arms, soliciting a hug. Before we begin, she said, would you like a blanket? I declined and we settled into a conference room. I expected her to be guarded in keeping with her father's approach to the news media. Instead, she spoke excitedly for nearly two hours, telling me about her circuitous path to middle age, salting her sentences with profanity and referring to herself as a privileged, pasty white girl from the Midwest. She talked oh, about exploring. No. <laughs> Wait, you're, tell- you're telling me she's a self-deprecating 
I know I'm a white girl, but you know, believe me, this th- this white girl has a little bit of spice on her. No, uh, no way. Uh, well, she says, um, <laughs> she's not just a privileged, pasty white girl from the Midwest. She talked about exploring quote pain holes with a therapist and going on two weeks silent retreats. She insisted that she was apolitical. So there's the perception box. But what you like, what's keeping you inside the perception box is the fact that you're in a pain hole. And Ms. Koch has spent spent years investigating the pain holes that she's experienced simply for being one of the richest people on the planet. I would like her to uh, try the perception box from the Cameron Diaz film, The Box. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So she says here. Mostly, Ms. Koch wanted to explain something called the perception box, a term she trademarked in 2021. So hopefully we'll not be getting a bill uh, from collaborating industries on uh, repetition of the phrase perception box. Trademark uh, Liz Koch, 2021. So it says here, uh, unlikely collaborators is built around the concept which Ms. Koch wants to use to prompt a global movement of self-investigation. We all, quote, We all live inside an invisible but ever-present mental box, a perception box, Ms. Koch began. This box distorts our perceptions of everything and everyone around us. It distorts our ability to understand other people, to see them clearly, to connect with them. And it distorts our ability to really even know ourselves. She adjusted the blanket on her lap. Most of the external conflict, messiness, and miscommunication in the world, in corporations, in relationships, in families, in every aspect of our lives, is caused by internal conflict, Ms. Koch continued. And most of the internal conflict is caused by unconscious beliefs that we have been carrying around since we are very young, like zero to five, that we project on everyone around us. Are you guys, are you guys following me here? Are you, are, are you with me? How, how do you regard the perception box? Wow, this woman, this woman is a fucking genius. So she's <laughs> saying that like events from our childhood affect who we are as adults. Yes. Holy fuck. And it's all part of a box? Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Uh, could someone get, um, I don't know, Sigmund Freud on the horn? <laughs> Someone has just improved on several of his theories. Unlikely collaborators intends to help people become aware of their perception boxes through workshops, lectures, and summits. In 2021, Ms. Koch led a workshop for the Los Angeles chapter of the Red Cross. More recently, she has been offering a workshop entitled What I Think, what, what I think You Think About Me. Unlikely collaborators also plans to publish books and eventually produce films with perception box themes. <laughs> Uh, and they say there's yeah. nothing to look forward to. <laughs> uh, uh, it's the final frontier for the ultra rich. It's you can never be satisfied. Obviously, you you there's always a hole. Uh, and in previous generations of wealth, there was always some worldly goal that you could strive towards and could fill your days and to fill the kind of the quiet moments when you might otherwise reflect on what you've done and where you are. Uh, but now we're at a point where the world has been fully conquered by capital. These people are just sitting on top of unprecedented amounts, but, and they need a fucking horizon. And, you know, some of them have fantasized about going to space or, or living forever, but like none of those compared to the ultimate, uh, unfulfillable goal. And that is reaching into the minds of other people and making them like you. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's like, that's the final (laughs) frontier. 
I don't even think it's that much, though. I think she's, like... I don't know. I think this fucking doofy lady just invented therapy. <laughs> yes. But, like, it's coming from a place of wondering why uh, she never liked herself or why other people never liked her. And the answer to that... They're either in a pain hole or they're stuck in a perception box. And like, you know, it's true. There's no amount of money in the world that can fill your pain hole if you have yeah. one. Yeah, ain't that the truth? In addition, unlikely collaborators invest in companies and nonprofit organizations that are allied with its mission. Ms. Koch said she helped fund and hopes to develop curriculum for Moral Courage College. <laughs> is this, is Barry Weiss teaching there? Is she a fellow at Moral Courage College? I don't know. That like, sounds more like a, uh, a David Brooks joint. Is he, is he yeah. the, the proctor there or whatever the fuck? Yeah, uh, Second Mountain University. Uh, Moral Courage College describes its purpose as training people to lower their emotional defenses so that contentious issues can be turned into constructive conversations. So, yeah, there you go. Moral Courage College is about getting all of us to lower our natural defenses against this kind of horseshit so that we can be continue to be poisoned and robbed blind by the demon spawn of the Charles Koch empire. <clears throat> Millions of dollars have gone to SIY Global, a firm that provides mindfulness and emotional intelligence training. Ms. Koch and unlikely collaborators have also donated money to the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, which, among other things, conducts research into the mental health benefits of MDMA, the club drug popularly known as ecstasy and molly. I know this is going, I know this is a lot to throw at people, Ms. Koch said, apparently reading my mind. Let's go back to the perception box. That's where this begins and ends. She jumped to her feet and started writing on a whiteboard, calling out each word with a, flourish in a, with a flourish in a demonstration of one of her workshops. I don't matter. I'm not good enough. I'm bad. She asked me to envision a person, a writer perhaps. This person misses deadlines because they are constantly worrying about making it perfect, she said. It has to be better. It has to be better. No, 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 no. Not there yet. That thinking can be painful and ultimately even professionally paralyzing. That person is running a perception box story in their head, she said, and it's an obvious one. I'm not good enough. I grimaced and told her that I could be that writer. <laughs> what a fucking easy mark. Oh what if the, dude, the Scott Rowe, the publicist who fucking placed this piece, like he's like, they're not, Ms. Coke is not paying him enough money because he sourced the absolutely perfect pigeon for this absolute horseshit. Uh, who are you still trying to please? And who are you still rebelling against, she asked me, now firmly in teacher-student mode. I squirmed and thought about how it was really stupid of me to say no to that blanket. Probably daddy, I said, almost in a whisper. She sighed and sat down. I have that issue too, you she said. put that in your article? <laughs> probably daddy? Have some yeah, fucking yeah. pride, you fucking asshole. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to uh, skip a little ahead. Uh, so it says... Uh, People who prattle on about wellness and self-investigation can be exhausting. Oh, no, not another trendy product or program or yoga class or brain exercise or therapy or gauzy self-help book. McKinsey and Company estimates that wellness is a $1.5 trillion global industry with annual growth of up to 10%. Sleep consultants, ketamine clinics, de cleanses, detox, uh, neuraceuticals, meditation apps, wellness tourism, Instagram influencers peddling holistic everything perception box some of what i hear in the wellness space makes my eyes roll said lisa feldman barrett a neuroscientist and professor of psychology at northeastern university but i think that elizabeth is doing very very admirable work to get people to be more empathetic toward one another and to help people realize the ways in which their own past experience influences who they are in the present 
your brain is making predictions about what's going to happen next and what you will do next, what you will see next, what you will feel next. And those predictions come from your past experience. I'm, I'm seeing the future here. Uh, if you want to live in, in the cube and you want to get your nutrient pellets and access to uh, a metaverse lifestyle where you get to fulfill your, your mission in life uh, by, by collecting tokens to keep the water wheels turning somewhere, you first have to put your head into the perception box and then get dosed with a refined uh, recipe of MK Ultra mind-altering drugs until you love Big Brother. You love uh, the, the Big Coke sister. And then they'll let you out to, to, uh, to live amongst them because they can know that you actually do like them. You're not just saying that. Uh, but yeah, but like, I mean, like, it, it's interesting to think about things in terms of the perception box because once you understand the perception box, then you'll begin to notice that perhaps you, your past experiences in childhood is what's leading you to feel a, la- like to feel a deficit of empathy towards the Coke family and their wealth. Miss mm-hmm. uh, Coke is self-conscious about coming across as one of these hippy-dippy woo-woo people, as she put it, but there is also no way around it. Ms. Coke is a bit woo-woo, even by California standards. She seeks out the occasional shaman. As part of her own mental health journey, she has explored psychedelics as medicine. Psychedelics remain mostly illegal, but regulators are moving forward, uh, moving toward the approval of MDMA and psilocybin, the psychoactive component in magic mushrooms, as therapist-supervised treatments for post-traumatic stress and depression. When I did my own MDMA therapy, there were Looney Tunes characters coming out of my body, Ms. Coke told me matter-of-factly. The witch, Sylvester, that Viking chick who sings opera. When I was little and forming my perception box, I sucked them in somehow. So, okay, first of all, what kind of Molly was she doing? That's what I want to say. It sounds like she was candy flipping because uh, when I'm like, you know, when you're rolling face, I'm not seeing fucking Looney Tunes characters. I'm also not sucking in anyone's soul. I um, don't think I've ever had that experience with Molly. She was off a bean and talking to Sylvester the cat. Uh, she goes to say like, uh, this is the offspring of Charles Koch. Um, yeah, getting getting faced off Molly and hanging out with fucking Marvin the Martian. Uh, Mr. Koch declined to be interviewed. In an email, he said he was delighted and couldn't be more proud that his daughter had dedicated her life to making the world a better place for everyone. She stopped <laughs> bugging me about it. That's what I really love about this. Especially she's consider- just doing her own thing and she's not at the dinner table in my fucking ear. But like, I mean, it's just the, the, the fucking gall of these people who's like, yeah, I've... I've like I made sixty six billion dollars by making the world a worse place for everyone. So like now 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 my fucking idiot daughter is gonna come around and give everyone Molly so that they can feel better about it. I love the idea of um her daughter being sent back in time or the the daughter being sent back in time to explain this to Joseph Stalin, <laughs> uh, the coach. Uh, one of the coach's first big business partners. Uh, Charles continues, we wanted our kids to discover their gifts and where they could passionately apply them to help others improve their lives, he said. For most of us, this takes time and involves struggle and trial and error. Our children were no exceptions. <laughs> so it's like he's uh, already already uh, 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 sort of hipping you to the error part of this trial. So it says, uh, Ms. Koch's fascination, some might say obsession with self-identity and perception, started when she was growing up in Wichita, Kansas. She attended private school, as did her brother Chase, who is two years younger. He runs Coke Disruptive Industries, a venture capital firm connected to Coke Industries, a constellation of businesses that include oil refineries, medical devices, fertilizers, chemicals, paper products, and batteries. It's not like growing up in New York City where a lot of people are wealthy, she said. We were very different in Wichita. I had so much fear that people would hate me. 
That must have been very, very othering. Um, I can really, really see where the uh, perception box took hold. Uh, as an adult, she said therapists helped her realize that much of what she was telling herself was not real. <laughs> yeah, no one hates you. Okay. Uh, they should, but they don't. Great therapist. <laughs> Most of her anguish, uh, he explained, uh, had to do with her my own stories about never being good enough. The ones I made up in my head. That's where I got trapped. I mean, once again, this is just like if you are the child of billionaires, you can like take a load off. You don't ever have to be good enough ever. It's not a problem. It's not an issue for you. You like you can just exist. There's nothing you can do that will ever make you not wealthy. Just have fun. Take Molly in like a non-therapeutic context. How yeah, about just that? Like, it's like the fact is nobody actually does hate her. Yeah, who the the stuff that her family has done has made the world, as you said, a worse place, and she, the money that she has is 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 tainted by that. But her specific personality, nobody thinks enough about her. Nobody th- that's that the real problem here is not that what other people think of you. It's that you can't stop thinking about yourself for five <laughs> yes, fucking yes. seconds. This is the first time I've ever heard of Liz Coke. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Well, you you were just talking about how the the PR guy is not getting paid enough. The mere fact that he is doing his job is making people aware of her, and now they are hating <laughs> her. Now they hate her. Yes, <laughs> talk about a perception box. Jesus yeah, Christ. Maybe this is this all could be though like a uh, a honeypot deal where they're drawing out people on social media saying fuck this lady, so that you know uh, perception box uh, extraction teams can show up at their house. And put them into a van and then give them the fucking uh, the Mel Gibson and conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, as it, so she says, um, as she worked to untangle her knots, she did a lot of searching. She was an editor for a literary humor magazine called Opium. She tried to write a novel. She's still trying. It's about 1,400 pages with 24 major characters and 30 plot lines. She went Sounds to. Per- per- great. <laughs> How come? How come every every single child of um, immense wealth, like just centimillionaires to billionaires, um, tries to get or start writing a satirical magazine? It's uh, yeah, oh, the literary journal, literary humor magazine, Opium. After editing her humor magazine, she went to Peru to experience ayahuasca, the vomit-inducing hallucinogenic tea. Another time, she found herself at a nudist colony. In 2015, she started a book imprint called Catapult. Cries for Help, Various, was its first title. This month, Catapult shut down its online magazine and writing program to ensure a successful future for its core book business. Ms. Koch also dabbled in film finance, serving as an executive producer for Beasts of No Nation, starring Idris Elba and Harriet, which was nominated for two Oscars. I found her easygoing and upbeat. She laughed when I asked how much money she had inherited. I pressed, and Mr. Rose, seated nearby, piped up with no comment. One minute, Miss wow. Coke. <laughs> this guy is just, uh, no one really chases the story quite like this guy. Jesus fucking Christ. If this guy doesn't get a job as a PR hack for Coke Industries after all this, he should kill himself. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, 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 skip ahead to think. Cause, like, I feel like in no in nowhere in this article does it actually describe like what no, what like how learning about a perception box is supposed to help you, or why that this is like a multi hundred million dollar nonprofit business model. Like, it just seems like a bunch of 
uh, daffy lectures for equally stupid uh, uh, dingbats to fucking, uh, again, to essentially recreate what is what therapy has been for the last hundred years, but in a like slightly different context or like. Uh, That's about know. her. Yeah, it's about her. And it's also um, the main thrust of it seems to be that like you should never feel bad about like literally anything. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, nothing you're complicit in, nothing that you possibly inherited, uh, no source of your comfortable lifestyle, nothing. None of it is your fault. Uh, you should not, you know, uh, give up any of the, any of the uh, lifestyle benefits that come from come from that. Uh, just perceive that perceive that box and all, all will be well. And I suppose it would be um, activist journalism if this uh, New York Times person like maybe interrogated her claim that she is apolitical just a little bit further than just allowing her to say it and go unremarked upon. Because like the fact that she has all this money to play around with and like her husband is like her chief financial officer, it just like it gives a lot of the idea that like, yeah, this seems like hippie woo woo shit. Like you cannot there is nothing apolitical about the existence of this person or why she's being written about in the fucking New York Times. So I'm just going to skip ahead to the end here. It is possible that Ms. Koch will turn unlikely collaborators and her perception box credo into a success. This isn't a three to five year plan, said Mr. Gorin, the financial and operations chief. She has a multi-decade vision, a multi-decade vision for one of the most fucking for this absolute drivel for this. for, for well, an idea. I mean, there, there is a multi-decade vision. It's just, you know, hanging out and uh, yeah, using your neo-Freudian techniques to not feel bad about who you are. That is no, uh, that 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 is certainly a multi-decade vision. <laughs> this is uh it's like uh, she's providing the opposite of what that shrink that Carmela goes to does. Yeah, does yeah. For her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she's like oh no no it's just it's not your husband it's the perception box that he's put you in or that you find yourself in you're telling yourself a story about your ill-gotten wealth um that's that's a negative one so just change the story um it says here uh she but she will never escape the coke box some people oh, will always no. want something <laughs> uh, that, uh, some that, that, i mean i just personally speaking being trapped in the Coke freestyle box sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> Love that. Right. That would be that's all the therapy I need. Put yeah, a, one man I guess one man one man's pleasure box is another man's uh pain hole. I, I don't know. Pain box? <laughs> yeah. It's a hole. It's a pain hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain hole. So it says, uh, but you will never escape the Coke box. Some people oh, will always no. want something from her and that, she, and that she is either uninterested or unwilling to give. Allyship in a fight against her father's, father's politics, in particular his opposition to climate change laws. It's time to hold Elizabeth Koch accountable for her family's role in the climate crisis, read a headline on a Medium article last year. She's never said or done anything to distance herself from her family. Hillary Plum, an author and academic, wrote in Fence, a nonprofit literary magazine. Again, like, I'm just, the main thing this article is doing is, is cluing me into the existence of a, a, a number of magazines that I'm going to have to subscribe to. Like yeah, there's, Opium there's and Glork Fence. And yeah, holy fuck. I mean, uh, can we just get rid of nonprofit as a tax status? Jesus. I mean, that is. Right. <laughs> I am fucking finish with this shit oh my god whether it's whether wh whether it's this fucking dingbat reinventing uh therapy uh 
specifically the therapist that uh, Meadow goes to in uh, season. <laughs> yeah, it tells her to like of... fuck off from college and go to France and like sleep around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or or if it's just like you know uh, magazines that are neither left nor right, but uh, you know whatever they are, just get rid of the whole fucking thing. If it doesn't make a profit, it should not exist. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to Post think that, like, office this... runs in a fucking profit. I'd like to think that this whole perception box charade is just like a, a multi-million dollar endeavor to help her get over that medium post she read about how she's, yeah. <laughs> is that she's Every accountable time she for her, her eyes, she just sees the type and her, behind her eyelids. So uh, at the end of the article, it says here, Ms. Gregorian, the former Warner Brothers executive and unlikely collaborator's president, knows that the Cokes are radioactive in certain circles. But because of that very and reason... literally. <laughs> 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 because of that very reason, she said, Ms. Coke was uniquely suited to lead conversations about bridging divides. Coming from Hollywood, so much of my world was manufactured authenticity, completely and utterly manufactured, Ms. Gregorian said. Yeah, With Elizabeth, not real what like you see you. is what you get. <laughs> I'm a real bitch. I, 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 you know, when I, I like to put my hair in a messy bun and put on some coffee, put on some gangster rap, and then go to my family's uh, chemical, Human chemical, chemical warfare plant and handle it. <laughs> So, yeah, coming from Hollywood, everything was so manufactured. But with Elizabeth, yeah. what you see is what you get. And I'm, I'm sorry, so uh, Scott, Scott Rowe, if you're... Fake Scott Hollywood Rowe, bullshit. Scott Rowe, PR genius, uh, that's a demerit that you allowed the last word in this article to be someone saying, with Elizabeth, what you see is what you get. Yeah, a fucking complete dilettante. Complete nitwit, an empty-headed scion of privilege with nothing to offer or say that's been given a $100 million busy box to play in to make herself feel good. That's exactly what I see and yeah, exactly what I get. What you see is what you get is also something you could say about, like, the Three Stooges. <laughs> no, three no, no, gentlemen no bullshit with these guys. I was skeptical when they perfect advertisement for 100% estate tax, total confiscation of wealth from one generation to another, not allowing anybody to inherit basically anything because it's not good for them. Forget about like punishing them or saying they didn't earn it or anything like that. Just on a humanitarian level, it is bad for their souls and their minds and their lives. They become miserable at this end, this late stage uh, of capitalism there is nothing but a, this neurotic fixation on the self. There is no other horizon but to, to maniacally spend all this money you have can only be put inward uh, to, to, to chase uh, some sort of absolution that can never come. Like this, this money is an actual literal curse to everyone who has it. And they, sh they should be taken because they would be so much happier if they didn't have this. There'd be so much. Imagine if you just have like a nice little, uh, you know, guaranteed floor on your lifestyle that's below which you can't go, but you can't have this much money. How would anyone's life be worse? It would be materially better for the people who would be able to live who otherwise wouldn't. And for everybody like this, who is otherwise just cursed to spend their entire life trying to justify themselves to a God who isn't there.
Yeah, um, I am, I, I am on. I am on record as absolutely despising this fucking guy because of his whole like. Um, well, you know, I'm a billionaire, but I, I just, you know, I, I love drinking three cokes a day and driving my old shitty car in my house that I bought in 1947. Uh, Warren Buffett just says, you know, I, I, I like to put a nickel in a jar every day. Just, uh, thrift, <laughs> you know, I, I, there's no better value than thriftiness. Like, I, I fucking hate that guy's bullshit, fucking disgusting act so much because he's such a rapacious awful piece of shit but he is right about one thing and it's that um he leaves his kids like um he's only leaving his kids like eight million dollars uh which i think is you know the perfect amount if you're gonna have kids the likes of uh warren buffett well, I haven't, I haven't, or or or, or, I, or, or this fucking dummy. I mean, <laughs> like giving giving this woman a hundred million dollars is just. I mean, we're seeing the result. She invented a form of therapy that's even more annoying. <laughs> well, the proof is in the pudding because I've never heard from I haven't I haven't heard word one from any of Warren Buffett's cretinous offspring, uh, promising me uh, promising to fl- fling open the boxes of perception and free me from uh, childhood traumas that are telling stories about myself that predict my future actions. Well, Warren Buffett's kids are actually kind of cool. Uh, the um, the son is kind of like a Jimmy Buffett type guy the daughters are like um you know those women who are just like super involved in condo boards but in a nice way the type of woman who organizes potlucks that type yes. that, that type of uh broad i don't know uh warren buffett awful guy should be beheaded just a awful rapacious capitalist uh speaking of railroads just um a, a world of awful railroads a horrible union buster, complete fucking monster. But uh, his, his kids, uh, you know, I find them quite charming. All right. Well, uh, article, just the last last night in the article, I was skeptical when I met her. Ms. Gregorian added, and then I just opened up to her. It is as if she hip- had hypnotized me. So, wow. So there you go. I mean, she uh, did. Uh, she Coke. did. She gave you the most bullshit fucking pitch ever. And you are fully on board. She completely empathized you. You are a fucking dope. <laughs> so that is uh, that is Elizabeth Koch, uh, courtesy of the uh, the objective news side of the New York Times, not the activist side, the news side that's bringing you important articles such as this one that are just thinly disguised PR pitches. That's literally in the article. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I. Uh... One of my least favorite things from the Trump years was uh, the thing every week where people would get fucking furious at the New York Times over, you know, whatever. Whenever when they, they would, like, uh, I don't know, I guess write about Trump like he was a normal president. But um, this is this is worse. This is markedly worse. Just treating this fucking dummy... Like she has anything of value to say to anyone. Well, uh, listener, I uh, thank you for suffering through that pain hole with us. I hope your your box is open and you are perceiving things as uh, with with clarity and empathy, as is what is so important in life. So, uh, guess leave it there for today, fellas. Mm. Yeah, right. When I have uh, probably the least empath- empathy I have ever felt 
ever in my entire life. I'm going back to my pain hole. All right. Uh, and uh, yeah, best of luck with everyone's pain holes out there. Yeah. Get, get through them. Keep, keep digging and keep just dig your way out of that pain hole. Everybody. Yeah. And if your wife, uh, if your wife isn't letting you look into her box, um, I don't know. Uh, reassure her that it is not so bad at the end of the day that um, she uh, is the heir to a uh, deca-billion-dollar fracking fortune. <laughs> okay. Till next time, gentlemen. Bye-bye.